Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast presented by Bet Online. I'm Chris Braden. Got Orlando Franklin at my side. Orlando, we're going to get into this Texans game, but a few things uh, happened this week. Let's just not bury the lead. I just want to ask you this. Did Nathaniel Hackett own his bad decision that he made on Monday night? Uh, um, I guess partially, right? I mean, yeah. starts off the press conference saying, that looking back for it, of course, you know, I would have went for it on fourth down. And then he also continues along the lines of why he kind of justified what he did, you know. So <clears throat> here's my issue with it all. Chris, you gave up two first-round picks, a second-round pick. You gave them Drew Locke, who was a second-round pick. You gave him Noah Fan, who was a first-round pick. So essentially, you gave up three first round picks two two second round picks just to get just to get Russell Wilson in the building once you got him in the building he was under contract for the next two years this season 2022-2023 we saw two weeks ago the Broncos gave Russell that new shiny new contract five years 245 million dollars making 49 million dollars a year uh, second highest guaranteed in National Football League history uh, second highest paid player in the National Football League at this point. Right. I get what you did on Monday night. I get the fact that you're going to justify things. I understand it all. Great. Good for you. You're a big analytic person. Here's what I don't get. If Brandon McManus gets a vote, in a situation like that, and I love BMAC. I love Brandon McManus. Brandon McManus is one of my teammates. I've watched him face adversity. I've watched his rookie year, how, you know, thinking that you're going to get released because the Broncos have to carry two kickers because they don't trust your ability to kick field goals. Right. And they're only allowing you to do kickoffs because they brought in Connor Barth. So I love Brandon McManus' story and how he's invented himself into, you know, a stable, stable kicker and a guy that's pretty much money anywhere from, you know, kind of 50 to 60 yards. He's going to put it through the uprights for you. But everything past 60, he's been one for eight in his career. Right. Brandon McManus gets a vote in a a situation where it's, hey, where do you like it from? What's the absolute max that you could kick? And I'm hearing that that conversation did happen, and he said 64 yards. If Brandon McManus gets that vote, the guy that I just told you about all those accolades and what I had to give up in order to get him and giving him that, that shiny new contract and being the second highest paid player in NFL, that guy's vote's worth 10 votes, in my opinion. Yep. So if Brandon gets a say and you're going to listen to anything that Brandon says or you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to take this into consideration, Russell Wilson gets 10 votes compared right. to Brandon McManus. 
in a situation like that. So that's the frustrating part of the whole thing. Um, I tell you this, I went on last night, me and Cecil, and Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews, news for every single league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Why did you trade for Russell Wilson if you're not going to go for it in that situation like that? Yep. Heck, Drew Locke could go for it in a situation like that. If it was one yard back and you were at the 47 which now makes that a 65-yard. You're outside of Brandon McManus's range. If you're at the 47 and it's fourth and five, guess what you're doing? You're going for it, and it doesn't matter who you have at quarterback. Right. So because you gave up everything for Russell Wilson, <laughs> I don't know how you make that decision. Nathaniel Hackett's a young coach. I don't want to beat a, a drum. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and bash on him. I'm hoping he makes the corrections necessary that's needed to move on and to win Bronco games. And he saw that being a head coach, especially here in Bronco country, we don't take this lightly. You know, he had a joke in the press conference about the timeouts as well. I've watched social media and people are pissed off that he was joking about that. Hey, I thought they were mm-hmm. giving the timeout. And it's light sense of humor, but he's learning very fast that here in Bronco country, it, yes, you're allowed to somewhat make mistakes, but it's been horrible here for the last six years. We had 11 quarterbacks, so everybody's kind of at the the edge of their seat. And when you go against teams that are basically wounded animals, they expect you to put it down. And it it should be convincingly, and it should not go to the fourth quarter. And it should not be a nail biker with the up and down roller coaster ride. So, unfortunately, Hackett's learning that the wrong way, and it is what it is. But, you know, I I do. there was a lot of good in that game as well. You know, when when you go back to it, you're going to highlight not running the, not getting under, uh, not going under the center with those two run plays from mm. the goal line and the, the fourth quarter and, and choosing to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to let Brandon McManus go and try to get this thing. You know, for me, I, I've been saying it all week. The Broncos ran empty one time in that game. They went an empty formation one time, Chris. Mm-hmm. The result of that play ended up in a 67 yard touchdown to Jerry Judy. Because you showed that, that, that puts the fear of life, the fear of God in, in defensive coordinators. I know Clinton Hurt personally, the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. He was the defensive line coach when I was at the University of Miami all okay. the years that I was there. He went to the University of Miami as well. Um, my argument is when you do something and you have success, especially it results in the first touchdown of the year, especially for the fact that it was the first time you showed that formation, Defensive coordinators start crap, now start to crap their pants, and they're wondering yeah. if they're going to show that again. So right there on fourth and five, I'm putting Andrew back out there, Alberto out there, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hammer, Cortland Sutton. I'm going empty formation. I'm calling two plays after I call timeout. I'm calling a play versus man-to-man 
and I'm calling a play versus zone. And I'm, when I get to the line of scrimmage, I'm going to motion Andrew Beck. I'm going to tell the wide receivers, Russell Wilson and tight ends, that if I motion Andrew, Andrew Beck and there's no movement to the defense, obviously we know that they're playing zone. So we just checked the play and went to the second play in that situation. Right. If we motion Andrew Beck and they are somebody that travels with them, obviously they're playing man, so we're staying with the first play. I'm not getting cute. I'm telling Russell Wilson, hey, you get you go and gun, you, you snap the ball. If you like it, you throw it on your third step. If you don't like it on your third step, you put that foot in the ground and you get upfield and you make it look like it was a designed quarterback draw out of an empty protection. Because I promise you, Clint Hurt was thinking about it. When are they going to put the empty at me again? They've already had success. It went for 67 yards. Like, man, this is something I got to get on my coaches. We got to fix this. You know, teams are going to try to do this. So you've already created that doubt. You already created that worry because Jerry Judy was able to make an exceptional play on the ball. You have to find a way to get back to that same formation at the end of the game and scare the crap out of that defensive coordinator, but also put your team in the best position to, to go win that football game. It was funny. Two points from yesterday for me is you and I are both married. And if I ever went up to my wife and was like, you know, honey, I'm sorry, but that's kind of what Nathaniel Hackett did. The but or the explanation after the apology is, or, you know, you own in your stuff that don't fly. (laughs) That don't fly. It's funny that you say that because yesterday on radio, what I said is, I said, listen, for 90% of the time, my wife is a very rational person. 90% of the time, she fully understands everything that's going on. She's very rational. She's very even keeled. She's very, her temperament is very much like this. But there's 10% of the time where my wife could go out there and tell me the sky is purple. And guess what, Chris? The sky is purple. I'm not going to sit there and argue with her in that situation because there's no use. And it's already been made up her mind. Nathaniel Hackett has to understand that about Broncos country. 90% of the time, Broncos country will be rational. But 10% of the time, they might tell you that the sky is purple. And if yep. they say the sky is purple, the sky is purple. There's no use of arguing in that situation. 100%. 100%. And then the other thing, Russ came out yesterday and they asked him, would you like to go for it? And, of course, he backed. He's just that, he's just that guy. He backed the coaches. But he said, heck, yeah, the thing I didn't know is he had a play ready to go. Yeah. Like they were ready to go with the play and he was he was surprised by the uh the what you know going for the kick he was like what? Yeah. Okay. Okay, coach. I yeah. got you. Yeah, situational football, you know, that's the big thing about the biggest difference from college to the NFL, especially when you're in training camp. You know, training camp becomes monogamous, it's over and over, it's each and every day you're grinding, you're battling against your teammates, you start getting frustrated where they'll sprinkle one or two days in in training camp where it's all situational football, right? And you're sitting there and you've worked through a fourth and five and what you like in a situation like that. I promise you, the situation that the Broncos were in on Monday night, they've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. They've already worked that at full speed in practice at some point during training camp. I promise you, because that's just how the NFL is. You know, that's why we're seeing more and more teams trying to shy away from preseason games where they want to practice against other teams because other teams, when you practice against them, you could get up the exact situation that you want. You can right. script a drill to be backed up and coming out off the goal line. You can script a drill 
to now go inside the red zone and try to go score uh, a touchdown. In a game, you have to be able, like they have to kick you the ball and have a great punt in order for you to back up, to be backed up, and you got to fair catch it inside the five to, to script that thing in a game, right? Where most punt returners in a game are told, stand at the 10-yard line, do not back up. If the ball's over right. your head, you know, let it go and act like you're fair catching and we're hoping that it bounces in the end zone in a situation like that. So I promise you the Broncos knew exactly what they were thinking in that situation. I promise you that the fact that Russell Wilson is the quarterback, that he and Nathaniel Hackett, even though they might have worked that situation weeks ago in training camp, I promise you that they talked about it last week, what they like in a fourth and five situation. So when Russ sits there and says, hey, we got to play ready to go, I'm sure that's because of how much he studies and the fact that he's always paying attention to the coaches and he always understands exactly what's going on or what the coach is thinking. You know, as a quarterback, you have to be married at tied at the hip with your GM and your head coach and your play caller. Russell Wilson has the benefit of his head coach and his play caller being the exact same person. And tying your hip to them is going to equal success. We've seen Mike Tomlin and how much wins and the fact that he's never had a losing season out there in Pittsburgh. Yes, because Big Ben's been your quarterback your whole entire career as a head coach. Now we'll see what happens with Mike Tomlin moving forward, but that's the relationship a a quarterback should have with his head coach and play caller. Right, for sure. The other thing that was interesting to me, and we've seen this, I mean, it's been going on for years. Um, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, you name it, all the old uh, guard from that Seattle defense really came hard after Russell Wilson. Were you surprised? I mean, I don't, okay, I wasn't surprised by that, but don't you think that's just kind of low-hanging fruit type of stuff, man? For me, it was like petty. It was petty stuff. So for me, you know, I'll tell you like it like this, Chris. A hater and a person who is jealous Mm. They don't become people that are in your circle. Sure. Jealousy and hatred come from outside. So I want you to follow me, right? Jealousy and hatred comes from outside your circle, comes from afar, might Mm. even come from a person that doesn't even truly know you. Right. But envy, envy comes from within your circle. Mm. Envy comes from people that have access to you on a day-to-day basis. Envy comes from people that you know, that you love, that you care about, and you have no idea that they're being envious about you. I had a unique opportunity to listen to, and let me pull it up really quick because I thought it was absolutely exceptional. Just kind of hearing this thing yesterday, um, it was from Brock Brock, uh, Heward out there uh, in uh, Seattle, out there on the fan in Seattle. I think he's on the fan in Seattle. Right. Brock Heward talks about Russell Wilson, his rookie year, and already a couple games into the season, him and his partner, his radio host, were on air, and they were talking about the fact that Russell Wilson was already doing these big-time commercials. And they were sitting there saying, man, you know, is it right for him to be doing this? You know, it's his rookie year. He hasn't done anything. He hasn't proven anything in this league, but yet he's doing all these commercials. And, and then he starts talking about, you know, some of the other guys that were on the team, the Legion of Boom, what they have done and things like that. 
And when he and his partner were talking about this, their phone lines in Seattle start lighting up. Oh. And somebody called and told their producer, hey, or their program director, hey, my name's Warren, and I want to jump on with the guys. Well, it was Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon that called in. Oh. Warren Moon called in, and they pushed him right through, right? Hey, Mr. Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon, of course you're going to let him on the show. Mm-hmm. And he says to those guys, this is ridiculous. The guy wants to do commercials. Who the heck cares? Let him do commercials. We all got to remember, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. He wasn't a first-round pick. When yeah. you're a first-round pick and you become the face of a franchise, they hand you these endorsements. True. Look at guys like Christian Ponder. Look at guys like Greg Borders. Look at guys like Jamarcus Russell. Look at guys like Robert Griffin III. These guys were handed commercials, handed endorsements out the gate without doing absolutely nothing in the National Football League. So now you have these guys that are envious of a quarterback because he's a third-round pick and he hasn't proven anything. How about mm-hmm. the fact that he proved that he could beat out somebody and win the job as a third-round pick? How about the fact that, that 32 teams passed on him twice, the opportunity mm-hmm. to draft him twice, and he got to Seattle, put his head down, went to work each and every day and won a starting job. And now we supplemented his income because, as we know, a first-round pick – Versus a third round pick, it's completely different. The money, w- w- as far as that goes, and right. oh, by the way, Russell Wilson came in uh, pre the new CBA, so the money became drastically different. So envy started creeping in from his teammates, his rookie year, the fact that he's doing these commercials. You get a Levi's commercial, and they're all questioning, "Well, you haven't done anything." And that comes from people that are around him. That comes from his brothers. That comes from people that he works with each and every day. And that's what's so frustrating because they have created this narrative that it's all all Russell Wilson's fault. Where all I see is people that have been envious of him from day one because of what he has done, what he's accomplished in this league. And people have said, oh, look at us. Like, we're more established. You guys should be talking about us. And then you couple that with, Later on, where they won the first Super Bowl, a defensive player was a Super Bowl MVP. And rightfully so, that defense was really going in the right direction when they had the Legion of Boom. But you look at the following year when they make it again to the Super Bowl and what happens. His offensive coordinator calls a horse crap play on the five-yard line or inside the five instead of calling the play that everybody thought that you should call, hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. And Russell Wilson has to go out there and execute that play. He didn't check into that play at the line of scrimmage. He gets so much crap for that last play of the Super Bowl where Malcolm Butler gets the interception, where you have to make that decision fast and you have to throw that ball because you have a smaller receiver trying to run a little bit of a Texas route where he's stemming out and he's trying to come back inside. Russell has to throw that and trust that his receiver is going to win. But how about the offensive coordinator put a bigger body receiver in that inside position? Yeah. How about the offensive coordinator do the obvious thing and call a run play to Marshawn Lynch? Because guess what? On Monday night, I saw Russell Wilson sit there and watch his coach say, hey, we're going to call timeout and we're going to kick it here. There was no must. There was no fuss. There was no bad body language. There was no arguing with him back and forth. There was no putting the ball in my hands or whatever, you know, a back and forth altercation we saw with Shelby and, and Shelby Harris and Vic Fangio a couple of years ago. There was nothing like that. 
Russ was a good old soldier and jogged to the sideline and trusted in his coach. So why don't we give him the benefit of the doubt in that Super Bowl when we don't see him check at the line of scrimmage that he's being a good old boy, being a soldier and trusting in his coach and throwing the ball where his coach is expecting the ball to go? It was a horse crap play that was called. And now Russell Wilson, years later, is still getting crap about it. Oh, let's go, man. You need to do, we need some uh, motivational speaking with you, buddy. That was excellent. You know what? And I couldn't agree with you more on that. And it's just petty and sad because I want to love Cam Chancellor. I want to like Richard Sherman. And every time I see that, I'm like, I like them a little bit less. You know what I mean? I think when you talk about people like that, I think it points more at you and your character. So anyway, good stuff, man. I, I love that. Moving on to the Texans, man, the Texans surprised everybody on Sunday with that tie in overtime against the Colts. Davis Mills had like a good pedestrian day, 23 for 37, 240 yards, two touchdowns. He was the beneficiary of the rebirth of Brandon Cooks, Rex Burkhead, OJ Howard, three guys that have been kind of like forgotten about come back and have good games for the Texans. Like when you watch that game, were you surprised by everything that you saw in that game? No, it's week one. It's week one. Nobody, okay. nobody, nobody has film on anybody. Um, even the film that you get to watch of the preseason game, some guys are not playing their starters. You don't know how they're going to use certain guys. And here's the harsh reality. When you play these preseason games, you have about 20% of your playbook up. It's very Milly Vanilli, and even the 20%, you're not trying to see, do motions. You're not trying to do anything. It's kind of line up, call it. You want to see how your guys are going to react, not to a perfect look, and, and, you know, who's smart enough to make adjustments out there on the field. So wasn't surprised at all. Week one, O.J. Howard goes out there, scores two touchdowns. You know, Burkhead's also an issue coming out in the backfield. He's always been an issue. And Brandon Cooks, as long as he, he runs 4-4, he's going to be fine in the National Football True. League, right? So I wasn't really surprised. Now the Broncos have film on them, right? And, and we saw the Broncos, and it looked ugly. Uh, defensively, we looked horrible in the first half against Seattle. Where you were able to make adjustments because it's week one. You have no idea what Seattle is going to play and what their entire playbook or game plan looks like. But now you, you get a little bit more of an idea. The Broncos are going to have a more of an idea what you know, Mills and Houston are going to try to do offensively. And you're definitely going to have an idea of where people, what they want to do defensively and where they want to line guys up. So not surprised. Don't think that it'll be an issue for the Broncos this week. The Texans came out of that game pretty healthy, not so much on the Broncos side. Justin Simmons is going to be out, placed on the IR. Looks like he's out for at least four weeks. It's funny. He came out and was interviewed right after the game and, he thought it was just like a bump. I mean, he didn't know how serious this thigh injury was. And I, I'm sure after you, uh, after you play in the NFL after the game, you're going to be sore. So he probably didn't think much of it, really. Yeah. You know, after you play games, you're, you're, you, you tend to get banged up. And, you know, you, there's some, I've had games, Chris, where I feel fine after the game. I feel fine a couple hours after the game. I feel fine that night going to bed after a game. And then all of a sudden, Monday morning, I wake up and I'm like, what the heck is going on? What happened here? Right. And I go into the training room. I'm like, hey, this is hurting, right? And they start treatment on it. And then, hey, we want to get an MRI. 
Fortunately enough for me, when I got those MRIs, they came back clear. But I've seen guys get MRIs, like finish games, get MRIs, and then they're like, oh, snap. Like, this is actually a bigger issue. We're going to have to shut you down for a little bit. Like, hey, like, this is going to take you, like, four weeks to get back from. And it seems like that's the case with Justin Simmons. Um, Extremely, extremely worried about that. You know, 66 Mm -hmm. games being an Ironman. Um, that's a that's a huge you know accomplishment in this league to play and start the last sixty six games, um, and now we got to look at who will be in there instead. Caden Stearns, how does that look? Especially with the week that OJ Howard's coming off, of, right? So right. I'm looking at the Broncos and I'm looking for more bracketed coverage. You know, maybe you put a Jonas Griffith with uh, a Caden Stearns over the top help on OJ Howard this week. And then for Brandon Cooks, you know, you're going to have Darby play off coverage on him because you got to be afraid of his speed, but then maybe have Kareem Jackson over the top of Brandon Cooks just in case he gets behind Darby. And then, you know, with Burkhead, you got to understand, not the fastest guy, but he does a really good job with manipulating coverage with his body. So more of a a guy like Justin Sternad probably has to play out there and go try to stick a guy like Burkhead in space. I think there's many things that you could do to still neutralize this offense of Houston with the guys that you'll have up, even though Justin Simmons is not going to be available. Billy Turner's been a full practice this week. Do you think he's going to get in the game? you think he's going to play this week? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, full practices before. So True. we'll see how that progresses. You know, I know yesterday was the Broncos' first practice. He was a full participant. Really got to see how what happens today, what the report is today. Was there soreness? How, how does the body react? So I think it's too early to, to say that. But Cam Fleming did awesome. He did a heck of a yeah. job with the Broncos. Um, Broncos had the run game going. And I'll tell you this, Chris, I'll take two sacks minus 10 yards every game this season if this offensive line is able to protect Russell Wilson like that. So – if, can't, if uh, Billy Turner's able to go, yes, give him a nod. It's at home. Better communication. See how he does. But if he's not able to go, we're going to be perfectly fine with Cam Fleming because he did a heck of a job. Home opener. Crowd's going to be crazy. Mile high is going to just be going nuts. What are your keys to the game? Uh, get a Broncos victory this week. Run the ball. You know, you can't go into this situation where you're having 43 passing attempts. And I say 43, I know the score, the box score doesn't say 43, but Russell had one, one uh, carry for two yards, and that's a design pass, right, where nobody was open. So you don't want to come out of this game and have Russell Wilson up throw two-thirds plus time mm-hmm. that you run the football. So run the football, give it to Melvin Gordon, give it to Javante Williams, establish the run game, let those guys give those body blows, body blows, body blows, let them make defense coordinators scared where they want to put eight in the box immediately because of how effective this run game is. So offensively, I'd say run the ball, continue to protect the passer like you did last week. I think I thought they did a heck of a job. Russell Wilson, let's get the wide receivers involved before the end of the first quarter. Let's not wait till the second quarter to start. Throwing exactly. the um, so offensively, I think you do that. You'll be okay. Uh, defensively, Got to find a way to make adjustments before halftime. You know, um, that's the beauty of this, 
understanding a little bit more about Houston because you've seen them play a game. You've seen them have success offensively. So you know kind of what to plan for. But Isa Evro has to find a way to make adjustments earlier in the football game. We can't not wait to, until halftime because Geno Smith looked like he was going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback on Monday night up until the second half started. So got to find a way to make adjustments. Let's find a way to get some sacks in the first half as well defensively. You know, I thought Randy Gregory was very close on a couple of those, so keep on pushing. But I, I like the direction that this defense is going. Great pressure early and often. You know, you got to this D line, this front seven could be too good. Got to find a way to to do that. And when you do blitz, guys need to tighten up on their assignment. The first blitz of the year resulted in a touchdown. So mm-hmm. let's figure that out. Um, and special teams, you got to do something. You got to wake up because you were virtually non-existent the other night. And I know Seattle traditionally has had one of the best special teams in the league, but you have to find a way to flip the field and make a game-changing play this week on special teams. With it being a home game, would you expect Nathaniel Hackett's uh, game management to be a little bit better? Um, I, I think this is going to be something that we – I do think it will be a little bit better, but I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to learn as he goes. You know, okay. you're calling plays. Um, you're trying to figure it out. I don't expect no delay of games. i tell you that. I know we got two on Monday night, so – the expectation is to have zero of those and to correct that immediately. But I truly believe that when you're a first-time head coach and the fact that you're calling the plays on offense, there is a lot on your plate. So there will continue to be some struggles. I'm just hoping that the decisions of coaches don't continue to hurt this football team. All right, man. What's your prediction? What's going to happen on Sunday? I got it as a blowout. I got the Broncos showing the mile high that they're ready to rock. So I got this thing, 35-14 Broncos, an absolute blowout, and just showing that they're dominant from the first quarter all the way until the end of the fourth quarter and getting some younger guys in where we'll get a real good look at get some younger guys to get some starters in this league. Well, I learned my lesson last week going against you with the score. Mm-hmm. I, had, I, I thought the Broncos were going to go in there, and you were 100% right except for the, for the win. You had the, you had the score almost dead on. So – I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a Broncos uh, blowout. I think we're going to see a lot of Javante. I think we're going to see more court. I think we're going to see more Jerry Judy, and it's going to be a, a great Monday for the Denver Broncos fans. Looking at that 0-1 right now is just kind of tough, especially with the division we're in. You played Seattle. You got that donut up there. It just doesn't feel good. The other two things, the AFC West, Chargers at the Chiefs tonight. How do you see that game going down? Um, You know, Chargers are missing Keenan Allen. Unfortunately, the Chiefs are just too tough of a team to beat when you're down one of the best players in the National Football League. Keenan Allen is one of five receivers, in my opinion, that can beat man-to-man coverage every single time. And Justin Herbert relies on him, and he's going to give him 10 targets. So looking forward to see who steps up, but I don't think that you could ever replace a Keenan Allen. So I got... I got this thing as a shootout because we're watching two high-powered offenses. Yep. So I think it's going to be high scoring, but ultimately I do think the Chiefs get the win. Good luck finding that tonight if you don't have Amazon Prime. I think it's Amazon Prime and NFL Plus or something. So um, I'll be watching it on Amazon. Last one, Raiders are hosting the Cardinals this weekend. 
everything I've seen from the Cardinals, it just seems like that's it's going to be a rough year for the Cardinals. How do you think the Raiders Cardinals game is going to turn out? Um, virtually the same. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a little bit closer, but Cardinals got to figure out their defense a while. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Vance Joseph. I know you were here, and I know you've been able to kind of, you know, fake it for the last couple of years as the DC out there. But they've got some big glaring holes on that Cardinals defense. So I, I just don't know how competitive they're going to be. And oh, by the way, you know, Kyler Murray. I don't. I don't care that they took, revised this contract and took that out. They initially put it in that he had yep. to study away from the facility. So I'm never going to trust Kyler Murray because the, the, their coaches and the GM has already told the world that they truly believe that he doesn't go the extra mile. And at the quarterback position, once you report for training camp come July, you basically live at that facility until February. And that's just how it should always be. And so I could never really be fully committed to a guy like Kyler Murray knowing this stuff. I'm 100% with you. We got a Broncos victory this Sunday. Good stuff, Big O. And uh, hopefully we're uh, happier next Tuesday. Feeling Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I got him bouncing back. They'll be, be fine. Dude, it was a rough week, man. It was <laughs> rough, rough, rough. Yeah. That's how it better. is in Bronco country, right? When they lose, it affects everybody. That's especially, what it is. Especially when everybody cares about the Broncos. So, yep. Good stuff, I'll Catch you next week. All right, Chris. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.